clumsily edited introduction means it's time for Fangraphs Audio, and this is not any sort of episode of Fangraphs Audio. This is a sort of episode when we invite in our fantasy writers, the gentlemen of Rotographs. In this particular episode, we invite Mr. Mark Hewlett and Zach Sanders to the pod, and we use the opportunity to take some closer looks at articles that both of these gentlemen have written. Recently, Zach Sanders has looked more closely at catcher, first base, and third base. I ask him about some players towards the bottom of those particular lists, and maybe some that have been omitted. In other news, Mark Hewlett has been writing about closers in both the American and National Leagues. I hold his feet to the metaphorical fire and ask him at what point we might see certain gentlemen who are closing now relinquish their closing positions to other relievers on their respective teams. As always, you can expect white-hot analysis here at Fangraphs Audio just after this. Yes, welcome to this Rotographs edition of Fangraphs Audio. We have here a couple gentlemen from the Rotographs um, segment of the Fangraphs team, or we'll call it Team Fangraphs either way. Uh, the first gentleman I'll introduce to you is our prospect maven. He's a gentleman who knows everything about prospects. His name is Mark Hewlett. How are you doing, sir? Oh, not too bad. Uh, Kirsten, how are you doing? Well, good. Uh, I'm sort of rebounding from the uh, the tour de force that was the uh, Fangraphs opening day chat, and I think that you, might, you maybe said some ill-advised things about Colby Lewis. Are you ready to retract those statements? Not one bit. Not one bit. Okay, well, fair enough. The other gentleman is uh, is is yet another member of the Fangraphs Left Coast contingent. Uh, he's on my time zone. How are you doing, Zach Sanders? Pretty good. Thanks, Carson. Good. Thank you for joining us, Zach Sanders. This is actually, I mean, besides the threefer we did a couple weeks ago, uh, this is really the first um, Rotographs-centric podcast we've done, and uh, we're releasing it on a Friday. I say we just go with the, the Fantasy Friday moniker if for no other reason then uh it's a, it's an example of alliteration uh, do i hear any it's objections hewlett sanders yeah that, that's that's good that's good with me carson okay very good all right uh well you guys have been doing some stuff recently on the uh on the rotograph site there and uh, so i thought i would just uh, throw these into your wheelhouse um Mark Hewlett, you've been doing some stuff with relief pitchers recently. Zach, you have been doing some stuff with the slow guys, third base, first base, catcher. I thought we'd start there, and uh, we can bounce back and forth a little bit. Let's start, Sanders, with you. You, d- you did some stuff with catchers, first base, third base, like I said. One of, the, one of the names that I saw omitted from your third base ranks here uh, early on in the season was, I believe, Edwin Encarnacion. Um, I didn't see his name, but I'm sort of curious as to where you might place him. If because uh, he is the starting third baseman now for Toronto, had kind of a uh, a disappointing season last year, but the batting average and ball in play was maybe low. Is he a guy who's going to make your tiers at some point? Do you think? I can see him making the tiers as early as next week without a problem. Now that we're seeing that Jake Fox probably won't get a lot of playing time in Oakland. But I can see him probably in the small upside group, maybe in just that bottom tier called the rest of them. Uh, he hits 20 home runs, maybe more this year, but he's going to hurt your batting average by quite a bit, and he's not on a good team, and so the RBIs and the runs may not be there when you want them to be. Yeah. Mark, um, you, you know, I don't know how long ago it was that Edwin Encarnacion was a prospect, but it's, he seemed to have a bright future. 
I mean, is this just an example of a prospect stalling? Is this the the height we're going to see from him? How do you feel about that? I don't know if it's a case where he's really stalled. I mean, he's still only 27, so he's just kind of entering his peak. Um, you know, last year he had some problems, some injury issues. Um, I think this year he could really uh, have a good year. Um, the Blue Jays lineup isn't too bad. Um, I think it's their pitching that's really bad. So he, he does have a little bit of protection in the lineup, especially if uh, Vernon Wells and Lyle Overbay can uh, sort of hit the way that they should. And Overbay's coming into a, a free agent year uh, at the end of the year. Uh, so, uh, you know, he'll be motivated. So with the protection in the lineup, I think he can hit 20 to 25. And uh, I, I don't think that uh, that's too bad. Um, and I think uh, he, he could be a pretty good player this year. And going forward, if they get him off third and maybe stick him in the outfield, he could uh, increase his value even more. Yeah, it's always nice when a guy retains his um, his eligibility for one year and then you know while moving to another position. So if he were to move to the outfield. Now, there, there are a couple other third basemen, too, of note to me. And they, they kind of, in some ways, I guess you could say they, they fill a similar space in that they've both been highly touted prospects at one point but have had a little bit trouble getting going. And here I'm thinking of Alex Gordon and Brandon Wood. Gordon is injured right now, but he should be back uh, within the month, at least if the reports are true. Brandon Wood strikes out a whole bunch. Um, but he's, he has the third-base job for right now. Sanders, how do you read these two guys? And, and again, where would you place them in your sort of uh, overall hierarchy of third basemen? Since he's such a highly touted prospect, I mean, you kind of have to buy into the Alex Gordon hype one time or another. And I think for me, I was willing to buy into it this year, but once the injury hit, the thought of him as a third baseman in my team during a draft just kind of just dropped out of my mind. He, I see him maybe as an 18 home run guy this year if he comes back healthy uh, relatively quickly. Um, he'd probably be around my uh, tested and true group, even though he's not tested, but he's, he fits in nice with the Scott Rowland, Casey Blake group. And he, but I'd probably slide him in the small upside group just because he just as the fit with a younger group there with Headley, Peralta, TN, those guys, the young players that could provide good value if this is the year that they finally step up. And as far as Brandon Wood goes, I'm, it's easy to say I'm not a fan. I don't think he's going to hold on to the job for very long, and that's why I didn't include him in the rankings at all. Mark, have you seen a guy you know, besides Brandon Wood with the, the kind of splits between the majors and the minors. I, I mean, the only other guy I could think of maybe currently playing is J.R. Tolls. But Wood, he, he's had contact problems at the minor leagues, but nothing like he's had in the major leagues. Is that just bad luck? Is he adjusting to the major league pitching, or is he just going to be a total dud as a major leaguer? I think probably that uh, in the minor leagues, uh, he had uh, a lot of pitchers who uh, just didn't really know how to pitch to him, so uh, his numbers were a little bit better. I mean, he's going to get carved up by the... Uh, the veterans in the majors unless he learns to make some adjustments and I think it'll be a uh, trial by fire and I, I don't think that uh, the Angels are probably going to go too long with him. Uh, he'll probably end up, if he breaks out at any point it'll probably end up being with another team. Okay, and Alex Gordon, do you see him doing anything this this season? I mean, is he ever going to reach those heights that were sort of expected of him when you know, when he was uh, you know somewhere in the 1 through 5 area on a lot of people's top prospect lists? I don't think he's ever going to to be the you know the the top one or two third baseman in the, in the in the American League, um, but I think he can be a, an average to above average third baseman at least for you know three or four or five years in the majors. Okay, 
Now, uh, I want to shift to the to the catcher in, in the first baseman uh, situation here. First base, I'm interested. Uh, Brian Jorah wrote an article about this today, too, over at, at Rotographs. We have a situation in Florida that involves actually two prospects. We have Gabby Sanchez, who's who's actually uh, taken over the, the first base starting role right now, but he has Logan Morrison knocking on the door. Mark, we'll start with you here because these guys are sort of in the prospecty area inside of things. Gabby Sanchez versus Logan Morrison, who do you think is maybe the better pickup for this year? And then we'll, we could also say long term as well. I'd say that uh, I think Gabby Sanchez is definitely the better guy to have on your roster this year. Uh, if you have a keeper league, though, you're definitely going to want to be considering uh, Logan Morrison. Um, they're somewhat similar hitters in the fact that uh, they'll hit for a pretty good average. They're probably not going to hit more than around uh, 15 to 20 home runs, uh, at least in the first few uh, seasons of their career. Um, and Sanchez is a little bit older than Morrison, so his ceiling's probably a little bit lower. Um, but I definitely think he's closer to reaching his potential than than Morrison is. Okay, Zach, how are you viewing Gabby Sanchez as a as a first baseman right now? I assume you know because he doesn't really have the home run power, which you're going to want from a first baseman. Uh, he's probably not doing great on your list. Do you see him as a guy that you can roster this season? I would only be interesting and in, interested in rostering uh, Gabby. In a very deep and only league, uh, no chance I'm taking a risk on him in a mixed league. If a guy's not hitting for a power, he's got to give you the batting average. And Sanchez, he's unproven in the majors. We don't know if he can do it yet. I'd rather have someone like James Loney or even lower on the list, someone like Casey Kochman, who I know is going to get all the at-bats the top, towards the top of the Mariners lineup. He's going to have a chance to drive runs in. And he's going to bat for a high average, maybe with a little bit of power. If you're going to draft Sanchez, you have to be very, very desperate this year. Right. Now, speaking of desperate, uh, recently in, in, a, in a pretty deep fantasy league over at Rotowire, I decided to roster Mike Jacobs this week as my utility slot. And I guess the thinking there was that he's going to hit home runs and he's going to be getting plate appearances with some decent batters in front of him, which might, uh, which might result in some RBIs with guys like uh, you know David Wright, for example, batting in front of him. Although, now that I think of it, it's really Alex Cora who's batting in front of him. Zach, we'll start with you on this one. Mike Jacobs, is he worth anything? Uh, if I made a dreadful mistake? In an NL-only league, I don't think it's that bad of a mistake. I mean, he could probably stick with the Major League Club all year round. And I don't think, if he plays well, he's not going to give up the job to Daniel Murphy. I think the Mets like to have that extra power in their lineup, and that's why they brought in Jacobs. And if he does play all year, I mean, 25 home runs, I don't think he's going to get 30 like he did with the Marlins in 08, but 25-plus home runs... It's not a bad it's not a bad thing for your team as long as you can take the hit and batting average. Yeah, and I'm sure I can't. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I think I probably just have made a dreadful error. Mark is does does Daniel Murphy, who's injured right now but will be coming back, does he have the sort of upside that will convince the Mets to give him playing time when he comes back? Or if Jacobs, you know, hits say two sixty five and hits some home runs and drives in some people, will that be enough to convince the Mets to stick? to stick with Jacobs? Um, or do you just care not to speculate on the Mets because uh, it hurts your, it hurts your soul? It, it it hurts the soul a bit. It's uh, it's hard to say because neither player is really a very good uh, first baseman. Um, and I think pretty much that uh, they're both place warmers for uh, Ike Davis. 
um, the Mets' top first base prospect. Uh, if Davis has a you know a hot uh, first uh, two or three months of this season, he's probably going to be up uh, sooner rather than later. Um, so it's probably it could be a short year for for both uh, Jacobs and Murphy as starters, uh, which wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. So if that happens, uh, what what sort of thing do you think we could expect from Ike Davis at the major league level? It's hard to say. Ike Davis has been a little bit inconsistent in his pro career so far. We've seen some good things. We've seen some bad things. Um, I, I, he's not really the type of guy that's gonna, you know, do a Jason Hayward and just pop up and, you know, be a be an all-star right away. Uh, he's probably gonna struggle for a bit, but at the same time, uh, there's not a huge difference between a struggling Ike Davis and. Uh, an average uh, level for uh, Mr. Jacobs and Mr. Murphy. Okay, uh, just a quick, just a quick pop quiz. Um, better Ike, uh, Ike Davis or Dwight D. Eisenhower? Hewlett, you go first. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Okay, Sanders. Well, based on potential, I'd have to go with Ike Davis, but based on the track record, you gotta go with Eisenhower. Okay, that's that's totally fair. I see what you're doing. You're talking about peak versus peak value versus consistency. Of course. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Um, it's important to distinguish between those things. Let's talk about peak value versus consistency, how about? Because we have a catcher situation going on in Colorado. Chris Iannetta, who I believe Colorado signed to some sort of contract extension, maybe buying out his RBers or one or two free agent years. I don't have the information at the top of my uh, head, and it, it would be impossible to find anyway. So let's not worry about it. But what's the deal, Sanders? Ionetta, it, I know Olivo started today. We're recording this on a Wednesday evening. Uh, Olivo started today against the left-hander Doug Davis, and he jacked a donger. And uh, but Ionetta seems to me easily the better ball player. Uh, how do you read this from a fantasy perspective? Because obviously you you're not Jim Tracy, and I don't know if you have his ear. So you're going to have to kind of react as opposed to inform. Yeah, um, coming into this off season, it was actually a lot of hype for me with Ionetta because with Toriaba leaving, you'd finally get a chance to see him with full-time plate appearances, getting a lot of home runs, and maybe the average isn't great, but so be it. He's a, he's a catcher. He's going to hurt you in one way or another pretty much no matter what you do. But I didn't expect going into the year that Oliva would actually take up plate appearances right away like he's doing, and it's um it's really putting a damper on the Ionetta hype for me. He... He needs the plate appearances to get you the numbers because he's not a batting average guy. He's a counting stats with the home runs and RBIs. And if Olivo starts to cut into that time significantly, he might not even be ownable in a standard league and probably isn't already, but he might not even be ownable in some of the deeper leagues. Is that one of the most frustrating things, Sanders, for a, for a fantasy owner is to have to deal with catchers and uh, catcher like you know platoons or you know just the way the catchers share time? You have no idea. It keeps me up at night. Yeah. I know, I know how you feel. And uh, well, let's look at one other one other guy here. You mentioned him a little bit lower down, Sanders, on your list than I might have expected, simply because he's going to be getting a lot of PAs. But let's start with Hewlett to sort of look at it from a prospecty uh, perspective. That's Jeff Clement, starting first base for right now uh, with Pittsburgh. Uh, Hewlett, do you, do you see Clement as having any sort of staying power and? Even if he's only a moderately decent first baseman, do you see him as being a good catcher, at least this year in fantasy leagues? Hmm. I, well, I don't think he's going to do any catching in Pittsburgh. Um, that's the, the feeling I get anyway. I think he's going to be stuck at first base all year. Uh, if the leagues you're playing in, you know, uh, give him eligibility a catcher, then, you know, all the better, stick him in there. 
because um, I think uh, at first base for Pittsburgh, he probably has 20 to 25 home run potential. Don't know if he's going to reach it, you know, in his first real full season uh, playing in the National League. Um, but uh, he's definitely a dark horse candidate to hit some home runs this year. Average isn't probably going to be all that high, but I think he'll end up being a decent uh, first baseman. How long? How long will the Pirates give him? How long would it take for them to um, to sort of ditch the Clement project and then maybe I don't know maybe move Garrett Jones to first base and Ryan Church to right field or something like that? Um, well, they definitely don't have a, a whole lot of depth at first base in the minors, uh, so you'd have to look at uh, maybe moving Jones to first base. Um, but I don't really buy into Jones either. I think uh, he and Clement could end up having pretty similar uh, seasons. Um, so I, I don't know if that's going to be the real answer either. Okay. Sanders, you have a different outlook on that? you like Clement more or less? you like Jones more or less? I really like Jones this year, but I'll try to stick to Clement here since we're talking about the catcher position. He, I got, I had to watch the project of Clement firsthand in Seattle, and so that's why my value of him might be lower than others because I'm, I've soured on him. I've seen him too many times. It's no longer, it no longer makes me happy when I have to see him play. But I think that he shows good uh, potential as a catcher this year, mainly because he's moving to the NL. And since we'll be playing first base, hopefully he'll be able to not worry about the catching position so much, and he'll be able to think about the hitting. And I, I don't see any problem with projecting 15 plus home runs, 260 average this year, which I think is pretty good in an NL only league for a catcher. Okay, good. All right, and uh, let's you know let's finish up. Uh, but I kind of wanted to hit these relief pitchers a little bit. Um, I'm going to give each of you, you know, f- well I'll start with Hewlett. How about because Hewlett, you wrote the the closer reports. Hewlett, I have four names for you, and I was hoping you might be able to give me the dates uh, for you know for when these guys will stop being the closer for their respective team. These guys, as far as I know, are all closing currently, uh, but I have a feeling that they won't be closing by the end of the season. So I'll give you a name, and you give me how long I have with this guy, right? We'll start with Jason Fraser. What are you thinking Jason Fraser is going to be done as a closer? He already blew his first save. Yeah, Jason Fraser is an interesting case. Uh, I'm fairly certain that the Blue Jays named him as as closer to build up his trade value, um, and uh, they're probably hoping that he's going to rebound pretty well from his uh, first save opportunity of the year. He's he's not a bad bad reliever. Uh, you know, he he was a uh, he had closer opportunities last year as well as in his rookie season with Toronto, and you know he was probably average at best. Um, but uh, I'd say probably two months tops for Fraser. All right, so two months. Ryan Matson, when do you see him uh, him relinquishing the role there? Well, they're looking at Lidge to come back towards the end of April. Uh, he maybe Lidge will close for a little while. But if he stinks it up, stinks up the joint, I could definitely see uh, Madsen uh, reclaiming the job uh, mid to late year again. Okay, let's try Franklin Morales. I think that he's uh, the closer. He's closing games now with Houston Street injured. What? Uh, how long do you give him? Uh, Morales is a it's a tricky one. Um, I'm a little surprised they went with him in the first place, uh, just because of his youth and, and experience. Um, but it's hard to say if they have anything better. Uh, Manny Corpus is there. Uh, he's got a, a big arm, but uh, again, there's some question marks around him. Um, Street Houston Street got pretty good news on you know on his injury, so hopefully he'll be back. Maybe I'd say Morales no longer than mid season. Okay, 
And then give me Jean Rausch, proven closer, TM. Rausch, Rausch, I think, uh, you know, he, he might be a guy that can hold it all year. Um, you know, maybe he'll have a Ryan Franklin type of season. I don't know if that he'll save, you know, 40 plus games, but he might do 30, 35. Um, at the same time, if the Twins are in there towards the trade deadline, maybe they, they go for a Jason Fraser or a Heath Bell. Uh, but I'm going to go with Rausch as, uh, the most likely guy to stick at the position all year. Okay, he'd certainly be the the tallest guy to stick at the position. I think um, I don't think we can debate that. No. Uh, Sanders, you have any? Uh, uh, would you like to depart from any of Hewlett's opinions there, or uh, you know, is he just too nice that you don't want to uh, disagree with him? The only one I'd argue with is Ryan Madsen. I think as long as he doesn't completely blow it early on, I think he stays the closer all year, even when when Lidge comes back. Madsen will stay the closer no matter what. Okay. Well, I'll, yeah. Just I, I should add uh, one more question on that. And Hewlett, this might be aimed more at you. Philippe Omont, or however you say this name, is he is he a candidate to come up and close some games with Philadelphia this year? I think he came over there maybe as part of the Roy Halladay deal. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think last I heard, the Phillies were going to put him back in the rotation um, and try and build up his arm back to see if he can stay healthy as a as a starter. Um, Probably, again, long-term, he is probably a reliever. I don't know that he's going to be ready this year, uh, and I definitely don't think he's going to be ready to to be a uh, closer or even a setup guy at the major league level in 2010. Duly noted. Okay. Well, I think that we should uh, end this right now because uh, it's so full of information. I'm sure our listeners will want to go back and listen to the beginning. We don't want to take their entire day. But this has been a uh, another edition of Fangraphs Audio, and this is the Rotographs version, uh, the Rotographs remix, we might call it. Uh, our guests today have been Mr. Mark Hewlett from the uh, the Great Province. Is it a great province of Ontario? It is a great province. Okay, well thank you for joining us, sir. And Zach Sanders from uh, from the left coast out near, uh, out near Seattle. Thank you, sir, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Alright, this has been another edition of Fangraphs Audio. Uh, 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 uh.